Guys, what's going on? Welcome back to another episode of the Wonderful Arsenio ZSL Podcast. And here we are today. We are doing an in-company interview. That's right, people. We're going to be getting into an interview in regards to Tony Whitehorn, who is a business owner out there in the UK. But before we do that, let's go over some do you agree with the opinions or not, right? So here we go. What does this mean? All right. To be enterprising, a business should take a lot of risks. Now, if we define what risks are, we need to understand exactly what the risks are about. Uh, what's the, well, you know, what's the payoff? What's the dividends? What could happen? What could be learned if they do end up losing out on whatever it may be? See, risk, it, they come a dime or dozen. We always take a risk every single day, right? Because there are just so many different things that we encounter throughout our lives. Um, especially in the world of business. You know, I remember there was a girl who I had gone to the gym with, had to be two or three years ago. Um, and she probably took a risk quitting her job during the pandemic and moving to Chiang Mai, which obviously isn't, you know, they're, they're not doing so bad in terms of the pandemic, but, you know, going from one place to another to get a substantially less salary, eh, work may still be more scarce there than here. But nonetheless, people take these risks because you know, they're not able to assess and evaluate the situation, say, you know what, if I do leave, what could possibly happen? And so if we look at a business taking, you know, risk and whatnot, they have to do it for the greater good. They don't, they shouldn't do it in terms of, you know, saying, okay, well, we're going to take this risk in terms of investing in this. If we lose, the company is gone. I just don't believe in those types of risk. Because I believe there's always the, 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 the grass is greener on the other side. So even if you don't go, even if you don't get whatever it is you're after, just understand that there's a win-win situation. And guess what? Even if you lose, it's kind of like this. If you win, you win. If you lose, you learn, you win. Right? But you don't want to go if you lose, your life is over. That's not good. Right? Bungee jumping. And skydiving, those are unnecessary risks, but people still do it. People climbing Mount Everest, a lot of people would say, oh my God, man, that's one of the craziest risks I've ever heard in my life. But people do it regardless of like the fatality rate being probably around 40%. So people take their risk because maybe because it's worth it, maybe because it's their overall purpose. But when it comes to business, you have to be very careful. Number two, the main cause of stress is too much work. Do you agree or disagree? Now, it just really all depends. Um, it could be repetitive tasks. I remember working in a warehouse for two days, getting paid next to nothing per hour back in 2006 before I went to college. Court trade show, shitty warehouse full of a bunch of crazy ass men, whereas every time a woman went walking by, the entire warehouse would stop and literally look at the woman as if they'd never seen a woman before in their life. It was just ridiculous. And picking up all this very heavy furniture, to put it onto a truck. I'm like, dude, what is my purpose in this world? I said, I'm not doing this anymore. No, thank you. My back is hurting. This is ridiculous work. No, thank you. So too much work in terms of doing repetitive tasks or things that could be a big strain on your back or, you know, physically very, very exhausting. Absolutely. Does that cause stress? Me, I just say, you know what? No, thank you. I'm not in it for the money. Goodbye. But for other people, 
working for many long, you know, a lot of long hours, maybe from 7 a.m. all the way up till 9 p.m., not getting enough sleep and stuff like that, absolutely that causes stress. If we look at the low morale, right, is often due to bad management. But low morale meaning, you know, what people just aren't like feeling themselves. They're coming into work. They really don't like the, you know, their work. They're uninspired. They're not enthusiastic about anything. Their values, everything in general, that is all due to bad management. Absolutely. You could tell if a company's good just by walking in and seeing if everyone's very upbeat, but then it could be the absolute reverse too. So what we're going to do is get into this last one. A great leader is someone who has the respect for his or her team. Do you agree or disagree? Now you already know how I feel about leadership right? You got to have respect. You're not going to be condescending. You're not going to speak to me in ill tones and stuff like that. And if you do, I will leave. Now, again, this going back to my job that I've mentioned so many different times, uh, you know, it was a language center at, you know, one of the shopping centers out here. Uh, well, just north of Bangkok and good leadership is being respectful regardless of the situation. But when you say, oh, I don't think you as good as you say you are, you're now disrespecting me. Me, I could have just said the most, the most obscene things, but I'm not going to stoop to his level because obviously he just has a couple more years left on his life. So I feel him in terms of, ah, oh, you know, I see that things are really rough. Uh, you know, you, you know, your sister literally just died early this year and you weren't even there for her bedside. I mean, what kind of a human being are you? And then, uh, no offense, because of course, you know, in, in my situation, that probably wouldn't happen either. But given the fact that he has been through so much and he escaped England to come out here to marry a woman, I empathize with him. So of course, he's going to put his limited beliefs on me just so he could try to bring me back down to earth and try, try to squash my ego. Well, I don't have anything to prove to any of you. So I have my morale and you're not going to take it away based on your poor management. Got it? And in regards to a leader, a leader is supposed to encourage. That's what it comes down to. And it is so amazing that, you know, there were so many people I had worked for, you know, last year, of course, to the prior previous two, three, four, five, six, and even seven years, where the leadership was just so bad that they would literally just take away everything. I would be so unbelievably happy hearing that one of my students had to take the test 66 times. And after going through my course for literally just three days, it was eight hours per day, he passed on the 67 times. He had to spend 5,000 US dollars on test. Another girl uh, had to go through it about, I think, 21 times and she passed too. And you know what's crazy? Leadership, leaders, and good people, especially the staff who was there, and the women who I had been working for, they would pull me aside and say, you know what, Arsene, I can't believe it. What we're doing here, it is special. What you've done with those two kids, what those two you know, students who are now going to be teachers in the respective provinces, amazing. But guess what? They took all the credit. And they continue putting more negative energy on things that apparently were not working. And so that was one of the biggest things where I'm like, you know what? This, is, this low morale is coming from bad management because you women suck. Not only do you suck, you're undeserving of me. Goodbye. And I just felt so good about that. So if we look at other places, and this I was discussing with one of my, um, you know, my, uh, what is it? Oh, my God. I keep thinking psychiatrists. But no, it's one of my students and psychologists, though, uh, pharmacists. There we go. Oh, my God. I was discussing with one of my pharmacy students. And 
he was like, yeah, you know, there are a lot of people that, you know, they sign up with TST prep and this and that, but you don't know exactly who the teachers are you're getting in touch with. So I told him, I said, from my perspective, at some point, I'm going to have to hire other teachers on, but I'm going to be paying them basically the same grade I'm getting paid to, because I don't want them for one second to take my students away. That's number one. Number two, of course, you know, I don't want to be those establishments that only pay the teachers 50%, 30%, 20%. If we look at schools, man, all those teachers, man, I would have taken every last one of those students and told me to pay me off camera so they don't have to pay the school anymore. I mean, you know, because I think of it from an entrepreneurial standpoint. Like, I don't believe that top management and all these people deserve my money. So if we look at TST prep and all the other TOEFL places out there, a lot of people have a tendency of giving the money to them, but they're paying the establishment and, you know, as opposed to paying the instructor. And they're not even exactly sure how well and good the instructor is until they actually get right in front of their face. These are the big situations. So in saying that, I kind of went off on a tangent, but nonetheless, let's keep it right. And so again, we're going to be going over a lot of things, the worksheet. I'm telling you, I'm going to be putting my uh, my Podium membership badge. So you guys are going to be able to get all these wonderful worksheets and stuff like that. That's going to be going up, I hope, as soon as next week. And here we go. What we're going to do, we're going to be discussing a number of different things. And then after we watch, we're going to be talking about, obviously, you know, uh, and I'm going to be stopping it, you know, during the video and whatnot. So you guys can hear everything that is going on. And so that we can explain some of the ideas that are being shared with in the video. Oh, and saying that, let's get into this. I can continue going on and on, but let's focus on Tony. So, in saying that, people, what we're going to do, I'm going to press play and get ready to take some notes. Hi, my name is Tony Whitehorn. I am the CEO and president for Hyundai Motors here in the UK. Okay. I think that enterprise is hugely uh, important in any business. However, in many global businesses, there are corporate governances involved. And because of that, there's a necessity and a requirement for people to follow certain procedures. So sometimes being enterprising is not quite so easy in a big global organization. However, in Hyundai, we have the opportunity to be enterprising in our own local situation. And that is all about taking the initiative, making a step change, thinking about new projects, thinking about things very, very differently than have previously been done. A good example for us was when Scrappage came into this business and what we decided to do was take a little bit of a risk. And normally we would order 1,000 I-10s and we decided to order 7,000 I-10s. So it was about taking a little bit of a risk, but about taking the initiative, making that step change, and in doing so, making a difference. That's what enterprise is all about. So that makes sense. That's just ordering like extra product based on what is obviously, um, based on what you think. So again, if they say, okay, we need to order 1,000, and you say, you know what, no, let's order 7,000, that's a risk, because you have a risk in terms of not selling the additional 6,000. But if you do end up selling, what, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 of them, guess how much you profit? So I am all for those types of risks, most definitely 1,000%. It reminds me of the movie, The Pursuit of Happiness, when I forgot his name, um, but obviously playing the role of Will Smith, Will Smith was playing the role of him, 
you know, he bought a bunch of these different big tubs of technology thing in regards to the medical system, you know, Medicare, whatever that is. And he had a bunch of them, but he wasn't able to sell after a while. So then this ended up being a major hindrance. His wife ended up leaving him, but he kept pursuing it. Then he ended up becoming a stockbroker based on a true story. Amazing stuff. Now, what we got is Tony's going to be discussing stress to the limit now. So here we go. I think stress is very interesting because stress is actually a perspective. Everybody in life is either motivated by achieving success or avoiding failure. In business, if you are always looking back to avoid failure, you will become very stressful. But actually, if you look at that self-same situation and view it as an opportunity to succeed, then it doesn't quite become so stressful in itself. What you are trying to do is you are achieving, you are moving forward as opposed to looking back to avoid that failure. In any situation, and in particularly in business, there will be stressful positions. But at the end of the day, it's how you as an individual view that specific situation. And my recommendation is to view it as an opportunity to succeed. Ah, it's all based on perception. And this is what I love so much about, especially, you know, looking at everything from just different glasses, different shades, different, different perspectives, different vantage points, because a lot of people, they look at it. And I talked about this in my personal development podcast, like, don't look at, look at it as a, oh my God, I'm going to lose out. You need to ask yourself, what can I gain from this? What if I end up moving to another country to do this or to, you know, go here, what can I get from this? Don't look at it from the, oh my God, I'm not going to, I'm going to lose this. I'm going to lose that. You're going to ultimately end up talking yourself out of it. But when you say, what can I gain from this? It's a completely different vantage point. So now he discusses top jobs. I think that many people want to be a good leader, but if you are a leader, you are a leader of people. And the key about being a good leader is to ensure that you get the best out of your team. It isn't about being the person at the front. It's about looking at the people around you and leveraging their skills and their talent. That's the prime responsibility of a leader. Secondly, a key element of being a good leader is appreciating the why as opposed to the what. What do I mean by that? Many people say, oh, this is what we should do. Few people would really appreciate why it is necessary. A good leader knows what to do and why they are doing it. And in doing so, they will then have the high regard of the whole of their team. I also believe that being a good leader is about most certainly being honest and transparent. And essentially those, those three elements, the honesty and transparency, the ability to leverage the best out of your team, and the knowing the why as opposed to just the what, will gain respect from your team. A good leader is somebody who always has respect from their team. It is not about being popular, it is not about being 
a crazy person in terms of uh, making people feel um, small. It's about gaining respect from everybody in everything that you do. That's what makes a good leader. Mm. Now, Tony is definitely one of the best interviewees that I've actually, you know, that, that I've brought on in regards to this audio. And honestly, I just, I love it. I love it. Um, you know, I realized that he has a very good understanding and looks at it from the six different hats in regards to what I had spoken about and, you know, at my BIDC, probably, I, I believe it was a year ago. And he breaks it down in a way that the why, the why behind everything is unbelievably important, right? And so if we look at some of the best leaders, like, okay, Martin Luther King, what was his why behind that? To give not only justice, but equality to African-Americans at the time of like so much racial bigotry happening in America, um, you know, in giving equal rights. Um, if we look at Muhammad Ali, the why behind him, oh my God, it was far bigger than him. It was far bigger than him. It was not so much of him being the boxer. It was him outside of the ring and how he was so, he was able to eloquently put things together and give us so much perspective. That was the why behind what he did. Now, if we look at anyone else in present day, you know, if you look at some of the organizations out there, like the, you know, you know, the, the, the all the, <laughs> like, oh my God, like, what is it? The volunteering organizations like Pencils of Promise, why do they do it? Seriously, why do they really do it? Why do you want to help impoverished nations, impoverished nation, uh, like, like neighborhoods and children go to school? What is your why behind that? And don't tell me, oh, because everyone deserves an equal education. No, because I saw you wearing a tuxedo and your wife wearing a black, beautiful dress at a gala convention that could have been that, that could have, you probably spent more than fifty to $250,000 to set up that type of ballroom when you could have given all that money to the people who are actually donating to your website and get it to the plates and get it on the plates of food of the children in other countries that apparently you are supporting. What is your why behind that? What is my why behind doing these podcasts is to me to provide different vantage points and different skills, techniques, vocabulary, reading skills, and different insights and revelations to put seeds in your head so that if you do end up, obviously, watering them, they could blossom into some of the greatest things ever. Why do you do all of these TOEFL speaking podcasts? It's because I know that these specific podcasts will ultimately push people who are listening onto the next part of success, onto the next juncture in their life. Why is it that I continuously teach it? Why do I want to start up the Arsenio Buck Foundation? Why do I want to give different presentations to different companies around the world and meet people from all different nationalities to gain perspective and to share these different insights with other people and to make them realize that regardless of nation, creed, color, religion, whatever it may be, we are all the same. And I want to be that person. It's not so much about the legacy, but I want to symbolize an idea that, wow, he gave so much to so many different people. He made this many podcasts as a way of committing to himself to get things done and to help inspire people around the world. He paid 
on a monthly basis, $25 to host his podcast so he could get his message and all these wonderful techniques and different lessons out to people around the world. That's my why. What is your why behind doing what you are doing? What is your why behind learning English? What is your why behind obviously engaging in my podcast? What is the bigger picture? What is the message you're trying to convey? This is what leadership is. And so when you end up leading your flock, you're the herd. When you say something, they'll be right there with you. You're going to have a tremendous amount of support. You're going to have people just saying, come on, you can do it. Keep on going. Don't worry about all these naysayers. Don't worry about the people who continuously doubt you and everything. Stay your course and continue going after that purpose. There have been so many times that I wanted to give up on a number of occasions in regards to what I've been doing in my, you know, my career. But I kept saying, you know what? The bigger message is this. And I just held that message with me. And now after so many years, I am finally reaping the rewards. So when saying that people, that gives you, and that is the conclusion of this specific podcast. We're going to be getting into conversation gambits in the next one, just as I promised you probably about a month or two ago. So stay tuned for more over and out.